Geekly Yoked is a proud member of the Crossover Nexus. To find more blogs and podcasts about the intersection of faith and pop culture, check out crossovernexus.com. Tell them Bilbo sent you. So many ways to say I love you in different languages across the land. You haven't heard them all, so I'll tell you as only a true geek can. Hello and welcome to Geekly Yoke, the world's best married Christian geek podcast. Brought to you this week by We're Watching the Golden Globes with Mute On. Pretty much. So we apologize for uh, being away for a week, but that was due to exciting travel and coming back from travels and general holiday, what have you. We're going to try to stick to our fortnightly schedule from here on out, barring future issues. I'm Rachel Kessler. That's Mother Rachel Kessler. I'm a priest here in the Episcopal Diocese of Ohio and chaplain at Kenyon College. I'm going to, like, figure out that, like... What what it is? What am I? You just want to, like you just I'm keep wanting to actually, say Anglican. I do. You just keep wanting I to did, say Anglican. I just I it's and I'm not in the Episcopal Church yet. I'm a woman without. We've established this yes, before. You I are think. the Ronin priest. Uh, yeah. Um, you are but traveling I the post-apocalyptic wastelands of the Anglican Communion. Sure. What what is that kind of commentary? I don't know. I just saw the the trailer for the new Rob Lowe comedy show thing about the apocalypse. So Hey, it's Amy Adams. Oh, yes. We are literally watching <laughs> the Golden Globes. I had a plan to sort of like we could like live blog it and be talking about what we're seeing, but we really don't care enough about the Golden Globes. Christian Bale has some strange facial hair going it's on true. though. And before watching the Golden Globes, I watched the latest installment of Gallivant and Disney's gonna sue us now. And I'm Lehman Kessler. Uh, yes, that is very true. Uh, we... Uh, I love Gallivant I, so we, much! We've already done a Gallivant it's show, unhealthy. right? We've already, like, just, we just done Gallivant or folded it into some other, like, thing. But it's back! It is back. And it, it's delightful and it makes me so happy. It, it is so... A, it's improbable that it's back, but I am happy that <laughs> they improbable. acknowledge that it's improbable and their first yes. opening song is all about how improbable it is yes. that... They're on the air again and have yeah. a second season. Why are they still doing this two episodes a week thing? Um, I think because from what I read, it's because no a, one wants to watch it. No one wants to watch okay. it for one thing, and um, it's like Matt. Matt Damon, Damon just, wanted just wants something. Yeah. Um, no one wants to watch it, and uh, they couldn't figure out like it. It is so. Sui generis, not that that's a word that's used sure. in entertainment vlogs. Sure. But it is so weird that no one else, like, it doesn't pair with anything else. Okay. So it made sense to just air it as a block. Okay. Since, yeah. And and, and also have it, have because... Have it compete with as few things as I, possible? Well, no, it competes with... It's competing with the Golden Globes and it's competing with all the, like... Fine, like football playoffs, and oh, right. it's a horrible things. Another another thing they reference but, in their opening song, exactly. Um, but I think it was also that I, the only reason that it exists is that ABC needed something, yes, to fill, <laughs> like to be filler between like the mid season breaks for before their Jesus well, shows goes, come back on uh, or whatever they got no, going. No, do you know what that literally is filler for? It is filler for Once Upon a Time, which just proves to me that. 
TV executives do not understand anything about audiences because if they understood anything about audiences or their shows, they would understand that Gallivant and Once Upon a Time have completely different bases. Well, it's true. It's, it's like Gallivant. The funny thing is that I know people who love Gallivant and there were all the people who thought that we would love Once Upon a Time and found Once Upon a Time incredibly stupid and boring and dull. So Gallivant is what Once Upon a Time should have been, which was any sense of fun and whimsy and, like, ironic detachment. And singing. And singing. Well, apparently. yeah, apparently. But, like, the fact that they put Gallivant in as the thing to fill the Sunday night time slot while Once Upon a Time is on hiatus and just Presumably they how... could use Once Upon a Time's sets and costumes. Well, I don't think they did that, but... I, just, I I feel like I feel like those boats look a little a little similar. <laughs> um, anywho, I think that was the mentality, right? right. So it gives it a, a a ten week or a five week ten episode run, and for some reason, instead of just making it like an official miniseries, they did it as this ten half hour episode. Okay, thing. gotcha. Um, it's very strange, but it you, is very strange. You are you are mainlining that, Rachel. You are going. You are. Man alive, are you watching a lot of not only Gallivant, but like associated Gallivant material, like every <laughs> dumb uh, appearance by a cast member on Good Morning America. <laughs> I just, I have a problem. Just, it man. Just, I think I just, Are you I okay? Need... <laughs> Has the move been really hard on you, Rachel? <laughs> it's winter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It is winter, and you have your friends. <laughs> I have my friends. They're the only ones who understand me. The only one who understands you is King Richard. <laughs> He's so funny. And the like, King's beard has a hashtag on Twitter. Oh, I know it does. I know it makes you happy. <laughs> Hold up. How are you having a? How are you having like ads for Netflix shows on on main TV? This doesn't seem right. It's they've got they're doing to the future. They're doing they're doing ads for House of Cards. Kevin Spacey, you're not supposed to be on here. You're supposed to be on Facebook offering acting classes for like ninety dollars. <laughs> that keeps popping so, up. I have problems. Yes, you have problems with Gallivant. Yes, it's true. Um, I think it's just, it's so rare to find something that just brings me so much joy. Yes. Despite the fact that... I can't just watch Farscape. (laughs) No, you can't just watch (laughs) Farscape because we can't just be a Farscape podcast because somehow there are still just Farscape podcasts (laughs) out there and they beat us to it. Um, but that's, it, 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 I don't know. That's just it? something for me. You just need, you just, you you just need your gallivant. I do. And I just, I'm waiting for it to be later in this five-week run so that they'll actually have the second season of the soundtrack available on iTunes. Oh, right. Right, 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 because it's got all the spoilers. Because we had yeah. that, right? Like, they released it. Well, it, it's weird. They released it. They released the soundtrack before the final episodes last year. Yes. And, like, none of the songs from the two final episodes are on the soundtrack, but there weren't really a lot of songs well, in the Well, the, the lullaby final. was on the... The lullaby was the only one. And that was the one that I was confused. Like, why yeah. is there this random lullaby now? But yeah, but anyway, the, but the other songs weren't that great to begin no. with. Uh, it, except I, for the one with the chef and uh, <laughs> the, the where they're talking about killing everyone with that poison is, food. That is true. Uh, what makes me upset talking about soundtracks, however, is that we purchased the Star Wars soundtrack for Force Awakens. And, it's, and it doesn't have any of the cantina music. It doesn't have any of the cantina music written by the Hamilton guy. Oh, is that who wrote it? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We did also, though, purchase the Hamilton. We are finally a year <laughs> into this fat. Is it about a year? Like like nine months into this trend? Something. We are finally jumping on the Hamilton bandwagon, and it is... 
just as awesome as people said it was. Like, old beardy guys at the dog park have seen Hamilton, Rachel. Really? Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah. So, like, so we're I, on the, we've jumped on the Hamilton bandwagon. Uh, yes. Uh, I will at some point listen to it. I think you've already kind of worked yeah. your way through. But, because uh, I was sort of holding Well, off. and trying to figure out, like, reading the, like, Wikipedia summary of what's going on and who's singing what. Because sometimes with Broadway, Broadway soundtracks, you can't always figure out. Well, that's true. There's so exactly many. Exactly what's well, going on. Well, there's so many soundtracks. And, like, it's pretty. Intense? Intricate. Well, there's there's so many musicals that I know from having listened to the record or the tape, and then you actually the like CD. see it, and it puts and like, every and they're like, oh, I never understood the context for this. Well, movie. precisely, like there was so much stuff. Like uh, I loved the Sweeney Todd soundtrack, but I had no idea what was happening during the big finale when everyone is like oh, being right. revealed and who's killing whom. Like mm. it was really hard to follow if you are not watching what's going on. But what was? Oh, and then Assassins. I never realized that the showman at the beginning of the play is continuing throughout the rest of it. Like, all the bits that he's singing, like, he's singing. The balladeer? Not the balladeer, but the showman, the guy who does the, hey, pal, look who's here. Oh, right, yeah. That guy? That he goes through the whole he's thing? He's through the whole thing, and is sing- like he's a major part of there's another national anthem. Yeah. And stuff like that. And in, in certain productions of Assassins, he becomes Lee Harvey Oswald, right? Uh, that I, mm, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. Anyway, but uh, but then I finally no. I think it's the balladeer. Who... Balladeer becomes. Well, I know. I, I know it's. In, there is a production where who does Neil Neil who did Neil Patrick Harris Neil Patrick play? Harris was playing the balladeer. Okay, there's a production in one of the revival, one of oh, the rounds of the okay. revival. He plays Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, as okay, well. interesting. Yeah, but yeah, no. But there's just tons of these these musicals that I, I grew up with and just listened to over and over and over again. I mean, that was one of the big like records, you know, types that my parents had. You know, they had country music and gospel music and the chipmunks sing the Beatles, which forever colored how I would view the Beatles and okay. hear them because they don't sound right because I imagine them being sung by the chipmunk or by the chipmunks. Uh, but, but we had tons and tons of musicals and that's what I would listen to over and over and over again. Oliver and Grease and Grease 2 for whatever reason, uh, and, which is not appropriate for young child no. to be listening to. Uh, although these are my same parents who also were letting me watch Chorus Line and Name of the Rose before we grew I was up ten. In very different families. Yeah, we did. Um, but yeah, so so I, this is sort of turning into a musicals episode. Yeah, but we, we've already done that. We have done the musicals episode before. Um, but it's how we expect. We but thought again, that we would. These all tie together. It's true. I think. We, oh, hey, look, Inside Out won something. Aw, snarf. Um, I think given my. Qu- quasi psychologically problematic fixation on Gallivant. Yes, we were thinking this would be a guilty pleasures episode with a bit of color commentary of the Golden Globes if we see anything interesting. Because again, you do not come to this podcast for coherent and streamlined conversation. Although for a long time, the Golden Globes and other award shows were sort of guilty pleasures for you. That's true. That's true. I I kind of have a love-hate relationship with them. Yeah. I wish that I could just, there was some way that I could watch them and and get like the 15 minutes of legitimately funny <laughs> material in the like three and a half hour broadcast, but it's very difficult to do that. They're just, so they, I rely on YouTube the next they day. They go on for a really long time. Well, lots of like weird in jokes, and if you haven't seen half the movies, and like all the movies that win are like these weird award show bait, what have you? What have you? So yeah, I just cannot be bothered. But did you like grow up with award shows and stuff? Like, is it a family thing or? Well, no, because I grew up going to 
churches on Sunday nights. Oh, right. <laughs> so I never watched them. I don't think I ever watched them until I was like in college or grad school. I, I just find it funny. So like legitimately no. Because I, because I was also at church on Sunday nights. And if I was going to record something, I'd be recording a, a Star Trek or a Xena. Um, or for me, it was Lois and Clark. That's right. It would have been Lois and Clark for you. Um, yeah, I wasn't I, I, allowed to watch the X-Files. Oh. I feel like there's a whole cultural zeitgeist that I could not be part of. Speaking of guilty pleasures, one of my major guilty pleasures, Bruce Campbell, who's having a Bruce Campbell-assance right now because of... Is he? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Ash versus the Evil Dead. Like, everyone... Like, really? Everyone is, is gaga for this. What is Ash versus the Evil Dead? It is a Evil Dead TV show on Stars right now. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, my goodness. And it's, it's, it's snarky and silly and ridiculous. Is and, Ted Raimi involved? Sam Raimi involved? Uh, I don't know. I, I Because it's Stars, and I was like, I'm not going to pay for extra cable thing, and I don't want to, like, go out of my way to steal it like i haven't been okay. following it so i may use various christmas monies and purchase it once it's it's available but um i've, I've not been following it uh, except just seeing facebook explode over it um, but i was going to say that bruce campbell had a tv show that started around the same time as x files which was briscoe county jr and it was given the more favorable time slot of like Friday evenings or whatever. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, and X-Files was was put on Sunday night to be buried. Ah. And then X-Files exploded and Briscoe County Jr. got a season, maybe? Faded into... But Carlton Cuse uh, took over Lost. Oh, was Carlton Cuse the one who ruins everything he touches? No, that's Damon Lindelof. Damon Lindelof is the one who ruins everything he touches. Right. At least I have the theory that Damon Lindelof ruins everything he touches. Yes. Or that everything Damon Lindelof touches kind of descends into... Uh, semi-incoherence. A la Lost, the second Star Trek movie. Cowboys, Cowboys versus, versus Aliens. aliens. He just, his name um, did sort of keep cropping up. In oh, oh, Prometheus. Oh. He was involved in Prometheus. I feel like that's the one that made me go like, okay, Damon Lindelof. We're you, done. We're, we're done. He He's the, rever- oh, who's the British actor that we decided was like the litmus test for a good movie? Uh, Wilkinson. Oh, that Tom Wilkinson is in good if, movies. If like Tom Wilkinson like mm. like appeared because there was a run. I'm sure he's there's been variations of that which aren't the case now. But like there was just a run of a bunch of movies where he would like crop up and you'd be like, oh, and like uh, 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 Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And well, I I liked the first Batman Begins. Yeah, uh, and he was in that. And just there was just a bunch of stuff where I just kept seeing. Him Are there people up. that didn't like the first Batman Begins? Uh, I feel like there's now. I think there's been a sort of anti. The Nolan Batman stuff, it's seen as, like, fascistic and... Oh, really? I thought thought that, like, there were problems with the third one in particular, but the first one... Well, the third one did not manage to win me over. The first two did. Oh, I know! You were really into... And I don't think... I didn't think either of us liked the third one. No, the third one... And again, I think it was... I don't know. It's like with Star Wars, you know? Like, I can see everything bad in the first and second one, but they're not... Like, they were still enjoyable enough experiences that... Hey, Patrick Stewart. uh, They were still enjoyable enough experiences that... I, uh, and I guess Stallone just got a thing. Maybe a Lifetime Achievement Award? I don't know. Okay. Um, anyway, they were good enough that, that I enjoyed them for what they were, but the third one didn't uh, did not win me over. Uh, but they're, I don't know, Batman, Batman can be a bit of a guilty pleasure at times. I mean, it is, uh, it is essentially ridiculous and a show, a property for children, as I think I had Lovecraft refer to him, uh, on one of my more recent episodes. Is it probably? 
problematic that Batman is a property for children, given all of the darker kind of psychological underpinnings? Well, it's it's weird, right? Because, yeah, it's got this weird element of being for kids, but then adults sort of trying to adult it up, and that doesn't really work that great. Like, there's a sweet spot with Batman. Right. There's a sweet spot with Batman that's been hit in, the, like, the 70s, and then with the animated TV show. Okay. And if you go too, too dark and too, too real with Batman, then you're dealing with the fact that you have this billionaire who punches the mentally ill. Right. And it's just, it's dark and you have to, you know, why why is this a situation? Like, why is he doing this thing? Right. Whereas if you go too light and sort of... You're not dealing with the gravitas and the fact that he is essentially a vigilante? Yeah. And just, it's, it's like, you know, you still have this, like, my parents died, but now I'm going to be a silly... You know, clown character. Um, right. Whereas... Like the, the 60s TV show? Yeah. Although the 60s TV show is an incredibly accurate depiction of Batman of the time. If you look at the Batman being written in the 60s... Oh, okay. Like, like the comic book character. Yeah. He is in, like, giant teacups and, like, Robin is having to, like, dress up as a teddy bear. Like, it's... It, they're they're just ridiculous. I'm, probably. Um Okay, well, speaking of superheroes and yes. going back to Bruce Campbell and back to my Sunday night viewing schedule. Oh, where, yes. Where is this going? <laughs> yeah, I know where this is going. <laughs> oh, Lois and Clark. Oh, man, alive. I enjoy I, it. I still like that show. I, I mean, like, like, there are parts of it that get stupid and it gets really soap opery in the last, like, couple seasons. But, like, and, the and second season. Dean Cain has, like, gone off the reserve D- in yeah, a strange D- way. Has he? Wasn't he just, like, a, a hardcore evangelical conservative like Is Fox he? News commentator now. Really? I think I think he's gone the way of I think he's gone the way of uh, of Kevin Sorbo. Really? Uh, I don't know. I uh, I don't know if it's as hardcore, but I think it's Kevin Sorbo's pretty Kevin Sorbo was in the God Is Not Dead movie. Yeah. Like non-ironically. Yeah. By the way, God is Not Dead, if you are not familiar with it, is a movie based on a popular email forward. <laughs> That's right. In evangelical circles. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's me- me- making movies off of memes. Oh. Um, but yes, like the second season of Lois and Clark. Yes, is I feel like the sweet spot where okay. it was it was cheesy as all get out because it was the '90s and it was Superman and it was like just really earnest, er- completely earnest. As we talked but about. Uh, because it was the 90s and that was what they did in the 90s. We had we, we as a culture had not <laughs> discovered irony until about 1998. Um, but Terry Hatcher is like really awesome. Yeah. Like she is just fantastic in it. And Dean Kane is... He's being handsome he's in being glasses. He's being handsome in glasses. And <laughs> oh, like preteen Rachel... Yes. Was, well, I mean, okay. Were you all about uh, Jimmy Olsen? Of course I was all about Jimmy Olsen. Who would Olsen. later go on to Man. do the Dungeons and Dragons he movie? He would go on to do... Justin Whalen, I think, was his name. Man, wow. he well had done. like he had like the 90s floppy hair. Mm. Oh, man, I was into the 90s floppy that, that, hair. That JTT look? Yeah. I'm sad. I'm... <laughs> I was a child of my time. That's okay. That's all right. This is all that gets you pleasures, right? Yes. Um, But, oh, that's that show was just... It was unapologetically earnest. No, that's that I know well and also it had a good Luther. And, and it did have a good Luther. And that's I mean I mean villains make a show and I think with Batman you need to have a good Lex Luthor. Although then like they start doing strange clone stuff, although that's also aping what the 90s, you know, the 90s comics were doing as well. Uh for for as ridiculous as Lois and Clark got 
presumably they never got as ridiculous as the death and return of Superman wound up being. Well, I think the problem with, I think the real problem with Lois and Clark was when it got so heavily invested. I mean, I, I loved the Lois and Clark relationship, but it just, it got so melodramatic in its treatment of the Lois and Clark relationship. Yes. I think. And that just got a little, got to be a little too much. And then she was a frog clone. Well, that was, no, no, that was, like, before they got, like, oh, they, okay. she was a frog clone before that. Okay. And then it just, <laughs> like, 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 you do. like you do. Um, so she was a frog clone, which kept them from getting married, and then he, the people from Krypton came, like, there was, like, a new Krypton of, of, like, survivors from the old Krypton who were coming back to claim Kal-El as their leader, and he was supposed to marry, okay. uh, he was supposed to marry the girl from... Family Ties. Really? I think it was Justine Bateman he was supposed to marry. That is amazing. Yeah. And um, he, and then it just became a big, like, melodramatic saga. And then, like, I feel like it was, it was really in the fourth season when Lois and Clark got married. And it just became, like, like, just, again, really melodramatic in the romantic did and you... I'm like, and I'm like a pretty super heavy sappy. Like I got a pretty high tolerance for romantic sap. And did you it... did you watch that till its bitter end? Like, did you stick around for for the series finale on that? I feel like I did not, and I'm not sure why. And I think probably because I was, it was one of those things that I had to get home from church. Okay. At a certain time to see, and very often I only got to watch like the last half. Okay. Of the episodes, and I think there was probably. If if I'm 100% honest about it, it was probably something where either the fact that they started referencing them having sex, even though they were married, right. that somehow a parental figure got wind of that <laughs> and it was not kosher anymore. Okay. Or there was some supernatural element uh, in it that kept it from being... That made it, made it uh, a I, little for too... For some reason, I feel... Or, like, I got... I was getting older, so I was more involved in youth group activities keeping me at church later, and I didn't always record them. The, the mathematics of these things There's, does... There were a lot of factors. Cause, but I feel like I didn't watch it much after they got married. Because I'm trying to think of and like I don't really know what the reason for that was. I'm trying to think of the the big, my the, during this era the big shows that I was super into my big kind of guilty pleasures that like I think back on fondly. But, were, but were, I have to say yes, it's still kind of a guilty pleasure. I, I know. I, I have the second season I, I on know DVD. You do, Rachel. I, I still I, 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 I can, still watch I it. I can see it from here. Um, <laughs> no, but for me it was Her- it was Hercules and Xena. And yeah, like, that's legit. And. Hercules was a show that I saw the first episode of and the last episode of. And I don't know how many shows prior to the DVD age I can say mm. that about. Now, I didn't watch every single episode of Hercules. And I certainly yeah. didn't watch every single episode of Xena. Like, like by the time um, Aomir shows up as Julius Caesar and uh, uh, she is like, uh, Xena gets crucified but then is resurrected like 50 years later or something – like I was just done. Like like Sounds I just good. I couldn't really deal. But the the I did watch a lot of the last season of Hercules. And wow. I and and up till the the to up to the 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 series finale and like for I, I mean that was a ridiculous show. And that was a show that I really appreciated because it began to recognize how ridiculous it was early on. Like if you look at the first season of Hercules, it was like, trying to be serious and deal with like his pain at Having killed his family and well, everything. Well, yeah, and they and they yeah. were really dealing with Hera as a villain and Ares right. as a villain, and then at some point Ares eventually was being played by Kevin Smith, 
not the uh, filmmaker Kevin Smith, but the New Zealand uh, stuntman Kevin Smith, right. who died far too early and tragically. Um, and they realized he was hilarious. He was a funny, funny guy. And they just, they clicked into that cheese factor really, really, really quickly. And I remember as a teenager, I had a whole like theories about like, uh, Hercules is better than Xena because, you know, Xena's still taking itself seriously, but Hercules realizes a joke. And I'm like, no, Xena knew it was a joke as well. <laughs> Lehman, stop it. Um, you're, you're only, you're only making yourself look bad. Um, but they also, they also both went into weird Judeo-Christian stuff and oh, yeah. like, uh, Essentially, Aeolus got possessed by the devil, and like mm. they were doing like crazy devil possession stuff. And uh, Xena became an angel at one point. Like it was just, and they had essentially a Jesus character running around in Xena. They had their Eli character, um, but no, but, but they were just this. You know, I was a kid who loved mythology, and it's funny because I'm I'm reading a book right now where. Like, the one book the protagonist has, like, read and internalized, and this is set in, like, the 1910s, uh, is Bullfinch's mythology. And that could have been, like, you know, if you if you take me as a kid and, you know, send me back to, like, 1910s, like, that's been, that would have been, like, what I'd read, like, as a kid. Mm. Like, that was the type of stuff I loved was mythology and Greek mythology specifically. And so to have this show where I'm recognizing things right. and, like, I know this, like, this is the stuff I've nerded out about. Uh, but it's ridiculous, and it's way like distorted and strange. And they had Salmoneus, the uh, awful merchant character, um, the the quirk of the show. But nevertheless, it just it spoke to me, right? It was fun. It was silly when it was serious. Like I, you know, when I was watching it as like a, a kind of a, a way too serious teenager, like it, like I could be like, oh, this speaks to me, the pain and angst. Like I too know what it's like to have my druid girlfriend killed by Dayhawk, the devil analog. You were a strange young man. I was a strange young man uh, whose best friend and uh, I would uh, very now every now and then declare various governments and rebellions to the governments and run around to our teachers signing petitions against each other while wearing tweed coats. It was a special time. But no, Excellent. But, but yeah, no, Hercules and Xena were definitely my major my major kind of guilty pleasure at the time. Uh, whether they've had that that long lasting uh, uh, as as long lasting as. Uh, your Lois and Clark obsession. Uh, well, I, I have not watched. I don't think I've watched I an episode. I just try to be faithful. <laughs> I just try to be faithful to to those things that I have loved, like Sequest. I never watched Sequest. Really? Yeah. I I may there may have been a tiny bit of me that uh, was prone to the floppy hair trend of JTT, be but I did not fall victim to the Jonathan Brandis nonsense. Because I was about to say... No, 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 no. But it had the talking dolphin, and Mark Hamill showed up on it. <laughs> like, like I figured it like would hit, would tick all of your like little girl boxes. No. That's, that's bizarre to me. Really? Of, of all the bad 90s television that, like, Sequest, like, somehow passed you by. Was that another Sunday night show? It probably was another Sunday. I feel like there were a lot of Sunday night shows. Well, see, and it's funny because you... I will tell you what I did oh. watch. Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Well, uh, yes, and you recently rewatched some Dr. I Quinn. I like revisiting it. I borrowed it from our friend Giselle. Uh, and how does it... How does it... I, I had I had a hard time watching <laughs> it, honestly. But it's but you, but I think but you did notice that it felt a lot more feminist than current television did. In ways, well, it felt hopeful in that way oh. that the nineties was hopeful. <laughs> I mean, that could be a whole subject for another podcast. Like in the nineties, when when we thought that just having two black characters on a show meant that we'd achieved equality. Fair enough. And then in the 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 latter 
by the what decade are we in now with the teens yes anyway when we realize that oh wait <laughs> things are complicated and intersectionality deeply, yes intersectionality and deeply entrenched structures of like yeah. societal racism are not overcome quite so quickly and yes we are more or less seeking into hopeless despair um like you do like you do but yes, there was definitely this idea of, of, there was that 90s idea of like, let's just get a woman doctor on TV and that'll, that'll, that'll fix it. That'll fix it. That'll do it. Um, we'll just have this nice white guy who is represents all native people. Yeah, <laughs> a little, little problematic there. A little yeah. problematic there. Um, but uh, but your folks didn't have any problem with Doctor Quinn with uh, with all of her uh, ways. No, it was wholesome and was it? like family values, and I, I don't know that they watched it. Oh, okay. Like all that closely. Fair enough. Um, but I think they just thought that it was like wholesome family western. Little House on the Prairie. Little House on the Prairie esque. Yeah. And I mean, it does have this like for all that it's it's fairly. Um. For all that there is a, a fairly progressive element to it yeah. for the 90s in, in like, the single woman and the, like, there's a fair, like, like in a way, there's a non-traditional family element sure, to it, yeah. right? That she is single, she's yet she's kind children. of adopted these children, and then she has the, the like, rugged frontiersmen who... Will they, won't they? Will they, won't they? But, like, for all that, it's still a deeply, like traditional family drama yeah i mean they still feel like fill the mother father roles and you have to have the three kids who yeah. are like wildly disparate in age so you can have <laughs> you can you can hit all all like young people demographics yes um so i think from that from that standpoint it was legit in the kessler household oh, okay but uh i did try re-watching it recently and while it was uh, very fascinating to revisit something i was so obsessed with as a kid yeah i think i really just needed more friends when i was <laughs> didn't didn't, didn't we all rachel <laughs> I, didn't we I, all? my obsessive ten, like dr quinn was definitely something that i would obsess over and i would like i remember getting really excited i'd be like be driving to school and i knew the day of the week that like the tv guide came out Wow. And I was really excited to get it, like, to stop on the way and get it so I could find out what the next episode of Dr. Quinn was going to be. And the fact that I would spend my Saturday nights, like, watching Dr. Quinn and I wouldn't go out because I didn't want to miss Dr. Quinn mm. could could speak to a lot yes. of my, my social problems right. as a young person. Indeed. Or at least, you know, it worked with what options you had. Yeah. Um... See, I wasn't allowed to watch TV during the week. Well, I guess that was I a weekend show. So much TV during summers, I could. But if it yeah. was a school night, the only channel I was allowed to watch was PBS, and really the only time we sat down to watch TV were Thursday nights to watch so mystery is this, together. Is this becoming a conversation about like our childhood TV watching habits? Well, I feel like a lot of this podcast is about our childhood TV watching <laughs> habits and how it is how it has made us into the people we are, how it's defined us, and like how we like. Are gonna have to deal with Amanda and her TV mm. watching, and like it's like I think about that, right? I think about the idea of like, oh, there's so many things I want Amanda to see and experience. I want her to love Animaniacs and The Tick and like all these great shows that I grew up with. So and, we're Gen Y parents. But then I think about the fact that like my I didn't watch any of like my parents' like shows or things from my parents' age. Like I've seen a court jester, you know, a handful of times, but. 
whatever the chalice from the palace holds the brew that is true. Uh, yes, but like I, you know, they a didn't really have me watch the stuff they grew up with. They would have me watch what they watched, so I watched a lot of Murder She Wrote as a child, and all the ridiculous rated R movies that we've already discussed, like Name of the Rose uh, and Doctor Strange Love. Doctor Strange Love is one of my childhood movies, Rachel. <laughs> when I think of movies, and this is why our childhoods were different. When I think about like movies that like that, you know, I watched over and over again as a child. It's it's Doctor Strange Love and Name of the Rose, and that's not. Good. <laughs> I mean, I also saw Peter Pan, which, you know, at least was just Disney racism, which, you know. But even for Disney, Peter Pan is pretty darn racist. Yeah. I mean, it's not quite Dumbo levels of racist, but it's pretty darn racist. It's pretty darn racist. Yeah. It's kind of like the Dumbo, like the crows in Dumbo and the Indians in Peter Pan and the Siamese cats in Lady and the Tramp. Right. That's like it's like the pinnacle of Disney racism. Right. Yeah. Uh, well. Well. Song of the Song of the South. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that pesky little one. Okay. Talking about I like I, I don't even know if I can t- call that a guilty pleasure. Yeah. But like I was raised on that movie. You were raised on that. Oh movie. my goodness! I was raised on that movie, yeah. which probably explains a lot. Um. But I was not. That, my that, dad used to be in like Japan, and he would send us cassette recordings of him reading Uncle Remus stories. Now I had like a picture book, I think, of the like the Br'er Rabbit and and the Tar Baby and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, we know that was not. We did not have the movie, so we didn't have like the Happy Slaves. <laughs> yeah, which I, you know I guess is a thing. <laughs> they were happy slaves. Uh, so yeah, so I definitely kind of got, got away from, got away from that, uh, as, um, that was not, that was not part of my childhood lexicon. I'm sure there was equally problematic racial stuff going on in the household, like Peter Pan. Uh, but no, we didn't, we did not, we did not have the, the benign Disney (laughs) song of the South. Right. Um, but no, but I think there is this, yeah, there, it's, there is something about trying to figure out what is Amanda going to imprint on? And the media landscape is so, so different. I mean, there was a giant, giant debate that I witnessed uh, a couple of months, maybe even over a year ago now, where people were talking about the fact that, you know, there is no longer the same kind of shared viewing experience Mm. of 20 plus years ago, right? Especially with kids. You know, you don't really have the Saturday morning TV block anymore. Right. Uh, You know, even, even the cable scene is so diffuse. And just with YouTube, I mean, just like... On the One Bad Mother, a fun uh, parenting, uh, sorry, comedy podcast about parenting, not a parenting podcast. Uh, they have a Facebook group, which is just parents sort of talking about their crazy kids. And a guy was talking about how, you know, he, he discovered that his child had been watching YouTube on his phone. And he looked back and it was just two hours of frozen unboxing videos. Just videos of people like opening boxes of frozen toys and showing them or talking about them. And like, this is what... Kids are watching. They're watching this. They're watching people with British accents play Minecraft or people with British accents like just describing other people playing Minecraft. And it there's just this diffusion of content. And so is there going to be this same shared, shared experience? Uh, and and the, the big thing and I, the reason I thought about it um, in this debate that was raging was talking about Phineas and Ferb. Mm. And, like, we were just showing Amanda, Phineas, and Ferb. And that was probably the longest I'd seen her, like, sit 
and watch like a show. Yeah, she didn't do very long though. She well, and, and yeah, she's TV is still not. I mean, I'm not sure she even made it through like a full half episode. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's been like the case that we've seen. Like she'll watch her music videos on YouTube 800 yeah. times in a row. Uh, with rapt attention, or she'll watch the videos on our phone. Yeah. But like the TV does not have a does yeah. not cast its deadly spell upon her, <laughs> uh, as presumably it will at some point. Um, so it's I, it's so impossible to predict, right? Yeah. And I mean, my own television viewing experience was skewed from a growing up in West Africa, where I would watch the same VHS tapes over mm. and over and over and over again on weekends, uh, and then coming to America and not having cable. My parents didn't get cable until I left the house. <laughs> so, you know, we just had our network television, which, again, I couldn't watch, uh, except during the summertime or on weekends. And when I, and, oh, did I binge during those <laughs> times? Oh, did I just soak it all up? Of course, when I wasn't at church. Um, so, so yeah, so I don't know what her viewing experience. Like, is she ever going to, like, watch TV? It's El Tigre! Uh, yes, uh, we are We are seeing uh, Ken Jeong and Kevin Hart now, presumably... Talking about comedy in some way, I have to assume. Probably. Anyway. Um. So. So yeah. So I don't know. And and, and you know, and trying to think about what what she is with Netflix. I mean, Netflix alone yeah. changes the game in a huge way. Um. Well, Netflix is not time linked. No. In the way so much of the stuff of our childhood was. Well, and that's and that's the thing. Right? That's why it's shared because we were all watching it at the same time of the same age. And then there's this weird going back and rediscovering so many of these things, which is fascinating. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. And and um, Like when I decided I was going to try to watch a bunch of Full House. How, how did that work out for that you? That did not go for Was this well. in preparation for watching Fuller House, uh, Rachel? Is that going to be one of your new guilty uh, secrets? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> See, and okay, th- so this comes back to the, the key point. So, like, what is a guilty pleasure? And at what point, like... Is a guilty pleasure something that's, like, just bad that you enjoy anyway? Or is it something that you feel like shouldn't be good, but you're ashamed to admit that you watch? Like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, yeah. Like, is Gallivant a guilty pleasure for me? I don't know. Maybe the degree to which I'm obsessed with Gallivant <laughs> that, that, is a guilty that, that, pleasure. That probably But, like, be. I think it, I don't know. Like, may, I don't know if it's good or not. I have no objective perspective on that show. Yeah. Other than... I know that it is incredibly fun and whimsical and I just enjoy it and genuinely don't care about the objective question of its of its worth. Well, and this goes back to the whole And so all that matters is my subjective enjoyment. And maybe that's what a guilty pleasure is. It's but but there's you... I think there's a defensiveness, right? When you feel you have to kind of defend liking something. And I think yeah. this goes to what you've said a lot and I've often plagiarized uh talking about Gilmore Girls. Oh, right? yeah. The instinct is to defend Gilmore Girls as if there's something guilty about you it. You should be embarrassed about liking You Gilmore should be Girls. embarrassed about it. But we, I think when we begin to explore why, like there are some shows which, you know, you should be embarrassed. Lois and Clark, anyone should be embarrassed about. <laughs> should, okay, should I be embarrassed of Babylon 5? See, I don't think so because I think Babylon 5, uh, I don't think it's something to be initially kind of like, oh, there's this show because enough people do like it. Yeah. And there is enough of a cachet to it. Right. And I, I, yeah, I don't. And now they but be, I'm not sure that Babylon Five is actually good. Maybe not. But it's 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 it passes some crucial threshold, like psychological threshold, right? Yeah. In a way that um, I'm trying to think of, like other shows from that era, like I don't know, Lex, mm. or uh, other bizarre sci-fi shows from that time. Uh, uh, oh, what is it? 
for, for as popular it was, I think that something like Stargate is seen as okay. something of a guilty pleasure, right? Or, or like the later iterations of Stargate. Maybe, yeah. Like as it just got more diffuse and strange and, and right. Canadian. Um, but like Babylon 5, I think, holds enough weight, even if it's not particularly good. Right. Uh, or have has some strange tangerine well, I mean, dream problem, musical. No, here's the problem with Babylon Five yeah. is that it's a novel, or it's like a no, like a stage play. It's a stage play, or it's it is literary, yeah. right? It is incredibly well written. Yeah. From a certain perspective. Yeah. Uh you could read it if you read Babylon Five. <laughs> at, like I think Babylon Five would be a great book series yeah i think there are books rachel if I'm you want sure. if you, if no, you would no, like me to start getting you babylon five no i don't need books. babylon five books <laughs> do not need babylon five books i'm just saying well okay star wars novels let's go down that road and Oof, talk about like yeah. guilty pleasures there but um but as a pro- as a tv production babylon five is not good uh no but it, it is not well acted <laughs> it is not well produced but Peter Jurisic does a lot of heavy lifting okay, on that Okay, Peter show. And, and what's in Andreas Katsoulis? Yes. The two of them, they do a lot. But even then, like, they are chewing some scenery. I mean... I, I, I follow you. No, and, and I think something like Hercules and Xena is obviously, like, guilty pleasure, right? You have to, like, you recognize that it's, it's a kind of junk food television. Mm. It is silly. It is ridiculous. It is entertaining, and all of this is entertaining. But should you feel guilty about guilty pleasures? Oh, and uh, well, and that you know, there's 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 a lot to be said about that, um, and about you know should how we just embrace them. Well, and that's that's you know, isn't that like you know what you're supposed to do about life in general? You know, like regrets are you know all of your life is building up to what you are and what you've become. So like dwelling on regrets and dwelling on mistakes only like you know serves no purpose but just to like keep you mired in in guilt and misery. Whereas just sort of embracing the strangeness that you bring into your life, you know, makes things something, something. I don't know. There's a Fiat commercial going on. (laughs) I've lost the threat. Should we leave it at that? I suppose so. Uh, If you have a wider theological take for, for in this epiphany season about notions of guilty pleasures and what they say about the human condition. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's a question of like, there are some people who I suppose would say that you're wasting your time on entertainments that are frivolous pursuits frivolous pursuits but i just i don't know that i i don't know that i agree with that i think i don't know i think taking delight and joy in things even when they are ridiculous is is there is something there is something to that well that's sort of what i feel that, like to, to just be able to enjoy something regardless to, to be able to enjoy something without having to judge it or evaluate it well and mm, that and that opens up the whole issue i think because of kind of you know why do we have to critique things all the time right that kind of gamer gaty like can't we just why do we have to bring all these feminist critiques in why do we have to bring all this like you know can't we just read something or watch but something the two and, aren't, but no, i think this is the th- the two are not mutually exclusive yeah. right like, I'm all for letting the Gamergate trolls enjoy whatever they want to to enjoy, but that doesn't mean you can't ever question it. Yeah. Right? Like, I I think that I'm gonna enjoy like let's 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 put Galavant as an example. Sure. Like and I think Galavant's a weird because I, I think there is actually something like the there's something that's good about Galavant. Yeah. Um, but it is it is incredibly frivolous. The music is good. Disney musical music, but it's still yeah. Disney musical yeah. music, right? Um, it is catchy, not great. It is catchy, not great, right? 
Um, it With is the exception of the lullaby song, which is a really good song. It is a nice little lullaby, um, which we sometimes sing to Amanda. Yeah. But uh, I, I love and enjoy Gallivant, and I will watch it, and I will buy it on iTunes, and I have, I can't even tell you the number of times that I have watched through the whole first season. Yes. Which really isn't that much, because it's only like eight half-hour episodes. Well, yes. Um, but... I have watched it many, many, many times. Probably more times than is healthy. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that to have something that is a diversion and just fun for the sake of being fun. If that were all that I were doing with my time or the only media that I was ingesting, that would be a problem. Because there is more to it. Like, Like, we do need to use our minds and our creativities. And there is something to, like analyze and to ask questions and to to be challenged by richer material and or when you see or when you see stuff in gallivant that's borderline homophobic being like this is kind of borderline homophobic right and uh, and to call it out and to call it out and um and the the question of how you can be a fan of like i mean that's a whole deeper question of being like the question of how to be fans of problematic material is um, well, well, you wrote a your much bigger question. and you wrote your big blog uh, on after we watched Sisters, right? Yeah. Which is a movie we really enjoyed. The and... Tina Fey Amy Poehler movie that came out last winter. Yes, same day as Star Wars. Yes, <laughs> um, uh, and was and was enjoyable and a delightful. really fun. Like there were genuinely moments in that movie where we were just cracking up. Also, a lot of weird, very casual racism and homophobia and, and just... homophobia and like yeah. not totally cool. Um, so again, you can enjoy these things, but I think, A, when we see problematic elements in them, absolutely, they do need to be called out, which doesn't mean we can't enjoy them still. And B, it's a question of, you can enjoy junk food from time to time, but you can't only ever subsist on junk food, right? right. And so I think that's, I think that's the question. But there is, I I think that we don't measure things anything or we should not measure anything solely by its utility no and i think there is something that is i would say intellectually and or spiritually unhealthy of only being able to appreciate those things that have some kind of like super artistic or intellectual worth because i think sometimes we just need to sit back and laugh or like at Katy perry's incredible uh boofy hair there is very poofy hair in Katy perry um So go forth and enjoy guilty pleasures. There we go. All right. So I think. I guess is what I would say. So we can finish watching. I I don't even know if I have it in me. Because I think here's here's one thing. You should enjoy your guilty pleasures. If you're going to embrace a guilty pleasure, you should really enjoy it. Whereas sitting around watching an awards show is not even a guilty pleasure because there's no actual pleasure to it. Uh, well, this this is gonna this is veering dangerously close to talking about hate watching, which would be a, its own separate. Uh, I do not do that. I am not the half of this of this podcast that sat through a season of Gotham just to. I I did not make... finish that season of Gotham. Thank you very much. No one can say that I have seen a full season of the television I may show have, Gotham. Like I may have sat through the entire first season of Glee and the entire first season of Once Upon a Time out of some like perverse sense of loyalty yes and like i'm gonna commit to this and i'm gonna give it a season but that is not the same thing as hate watching that that is very true and but we will we will maybe cover that on a later on a later date um but uh thank you all for your uh for your patience um if uh you are not you should be reading uh rachel's blog over at rev rate 
What is it now? RevRachelRambles.wordpress.com. Yeah. I, I still need to get the paid account. And uh, I'm um, I'm actually uh, going to be, uh, if you really want to hear my sonorous voice, uh, I've uh, taken over some co-hosting duties at Miskatonic Musings. So if you like horror movies and uh, occasional discussions of Gilmore Girls uh, from different people, then uh, you can go check me out over there. Otherwise, uh, still doing my ass Lovecraft shtick and taking care of our goblin daughter who is looking stranger and more goblin-like every day. Pretty much. Uh, so uh, we still have uh, permission from Debs and Errol, even though they are no longer a band, to continue to play their music. So uh, we will continue playing uh, their music. Uh, I think they're still selling their CDs somehow, or at least you can okay. purchase them through iTunes and whatnot. So uh, if you've been hearing music at the end of our shows and wondering, who are these people? This is Debs and Errol. They are amazing. Uh, we had a whole episode uh, with with uh, Errol, and we had a big episode talking about their final performance together. So You're doing a lot of promo stuff tonight. Well, we haven't been it's a new year it's our okay. first episode of 2016 i'm trying to right. you know bring these people in up to speed to kind of where things are maybe we have a whole bunch of new listeners who've never heard our our spiels yay kenyan college yay kenyan college uh so yes that's uh, gonna be it from us from the world of faith family and fandom in no particular order geek out y'all He's Timmy, yeah. He's Timmy, yeah, yeah. He's Timmy, Timmy the Combat Wombat.